I certainly do appreciate those prayers. What a tremendous blessing it's been to be back at camp. I can't even describe the feeling. I did notice, though, that some of the hugs were a little longer lasting, a little tighter squeezing. So much emotion. Some of you that haven't seen in, in, in years, some since longer than the last time we had in-person camp. And I have every confidence that this week will be a week of revival. But as I was reflecting on what the Lord was laying on my heart and giving some thought to maybe the time leading up to camp, I had to ask myself the question, am I sleeping? Are you sleeping? Let's pray. Our faithful Heavenly Father, Lord, we are so blessed that you've granted this opportunity against what we would describe as, as human odds that we could be here because we know, Heavenly Father, you're not bound by anything human. And you have granted us this opportunity to be here and worship around this theme of revival, a people who we might dare say are in constant need of revival. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you would continue to bless in this week. We pray that your spirit would continue to move as he has moved year after year in this place and in the places we've gathered before this. We pray, Heavenly Father, that hearts and souls would be touched. We pray that your word would go forth in simplicity, in the power of your spirit, and that hearts and lives might be changed. This we pray humbly in Jesus' name. Amen. I have glasses since the last time I was here at camp. Some of the brothers who were serving this week were emailing over the last week or two, sharing some things that the Lord had laid in their heart and, and, and asking us to share the same. And I had to answer the brothers, and I was really wrestling. I didn't, I didn't know up until just some days ago. I didn't really have a sense of what even God was asking me to, to share or, or to preach and it was just a few days ago that the Lord led me to Romans 13, 11. I shared that with the brothers. I didn't, uh, it was, like I said, this was just now a couple days uh, before camp and so didn't even get a chance to uh, get any response or reaction. But I trust the Lord will, will lead and His Spirit will lead. I'd like to read actually the last seven verses of Romans chapter 13, beginning at verse 8, eight until the end. Romans 13, 8. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, 
It is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. As I reflected on this particular scripture and the call that it's high time to awake out of sleep, I had to reflect on my own life as, as only each one of us could. I had to do some introspection. I had to look within and see what is that what does that mean? What is the Lord saying to me? It's high time to wake out of sleep. What does it mean to sleep? In a physical sense, sleep is taking of rest. I'm sure uh, many, particularly the, the little ones, had a nap this afternoon. Otherwise, we wouldn't make it through the rest of the day. Some time to, some, maybe some of the older ones as well, some time to recharge and refresh so that we can have the energy we need to get through the day. But the sense given here is a different one. The sense given here for someone who is asleep or sleeping has a very negative spiritual connotation. I think of the words the writer of Hebrews talked about being dull of hearing. One whose senses have been, have been dulled. One who is lazy to hear or slow to hear. One who has removed themselves from the word of God. One who has exposed him or herself to the elements of the world. One who has put themselves, in fact, in a position of great danger to be asleep. In this sense, being asleep means you're going to miss something. You're not connected. You're not with the program. You are asleep at a time you should be awake. And I found, it, I found it interesting that this particular verse in verse 11 is flowing from some of the prior verses that we started reading from. And we picked up in verse 8, it says, Owe no man anything. Be not indebted to any person except to love one another. Let that be something we are indebted one to another and that in fact we can never pay off that debt. It's always owed at all times. And he, he uh, Apostle Paul, quotes some of the, the latter portion of the commandments and says, and if there be another, it's briefly comprehended. It's simply summarized in this one statement. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. It's not an exclusive statement. It doesn't apply only to my family. We, we know the account of the man who, who challenged Jesus and said, well, who, who's my neighbor? You know, how, how, how far does that go? Jesus answered him and made clear, it's everybody. 
My neighbor is all to whom I'm neighborly. My brother and sister, it includes our fellow believers in Christ. It includes those who are yet unconverted and those who are lost. We are to love our neighbor. Think of how Jesus glued that instruction. It's found in in Leviticus 19. Glued that instruction to love our neighbor when he was asked about what is the greatest commandment, which was to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and soul and strength and mind. And he said, and the second is like unto it. He, he, he put them together. And he said, love thy neighbor as thyself. There are no greater commandments than these. And so we see the level that Christ himself put the command to love one another, to love our neighbor. And I think of, as I, as I, as I thought about being asleep, I reflected a lot on the early church. And I look at how they they modeled love when we can read in the early chapters of Acts how they, were, how they were together. They were daily together in prayers and breaking of bread. They were eating together. They were praying together, spending time together. It says, in fact, that they had their stuff common among them. No one said anything that he had was, was his own. Can you imagine? Think about that for a minute if you're describing something of yours that you don't describe it as yours. The house I'm living in, the, 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 the car I'm driving, the clothes I, I, I'm wearing. We, we don't even talk like that. We talk about my stuff. It's the stuff I, I earned and I purchased myself. It's mine. But they had a completely different mindset in the early church that they wouldn't say that their stuff was theirs. And in fact, we see the pattern of they were bringing their things, selling them, and giving the proceeds such that it can be distributed to those who had need. That meant that my stuff was your stuff. If you needed it, it was yours. No question. How would you feel if someone came to your house tomorrow and said, I'm here for my stuff? I, I, I need it. You'd probably call the police. Who are you? Where are you going? And certainly that was modeled among, among the believers. And it's not a surprise because Jesus Christ himself gave very powerful teaching about love. And in fact, he identified love for one another among the believers as the identifying mark that we are the disciples of Jesus Christ. He said it's by your love for one another that all men shall know who you are. Am I asleep in my love for the brotherhood? Am I asleep in my love for my brother and sister? Can the world immediately identify me as a Christian by how much love I have for my brother and sister? Or am I spiritually asleep? Am I, am I selfish? Am, am I looking out for me? Am I, am I only concerned with what feels good and what's right for me and what provides me comfort? What's, what's for my benefit? What is it that I need when the Bible gives completely opposite teaching? It says, look not on my own things, but every man on the things of others. How about how we interact with one another, maybe when we have a different view? When someone's not exactly as I am, do I avoid them? Do I put my brother or sister down? Do I criticize them? Do I belittle them? 
Do I talk about them in front of other brothers and sisters and say, would you believe this? Or am I obedient to the scripture that says I am to esteem my brother or sister above myself in honor preferring them? That is the identifying mark of being with Christ. Of being Christ's. And if this does not identify me, I am asleep spiritually. I am spiritually asleep. The command to love extends to all, our neighbor. One thing that is very obvious in the focus and in the determination of the early church is to spread the word of God, is to bring souls to Jesus Christ, is to point them to the truth and to the word. Is this my, my, my daily occupation? Is all I think about each day how I'm going to bring the lost to Christ, how I'm going to point them to the truth of his word, how I'm going to share the truth with them, share the gospel with them? Or am I way too busy with my own stuff? Well, I, 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 I pray for them. I pray for them, especially my, 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 my loved ones. But am I like the early church investing my time that my whole purpose and focus is to bring souls to Christ? That is what we see modeled in the early church. Am I asleep? Am I completely off track? Is my focus all wrong? That I'm so focused on self, serving self, satisfying self, pleasing self, that my mission is put to the side? Bringing souls to Christ is our mission. It's the mission of the church. It's the great commission. It's our Father's business. It's the work of the kingdom. Am I minded toward the things of the kingdom? Or am I building up my kingdom here? Am I focused on this kingdom that the Bible says is going to burn and, 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 and rust and be eaten by moths? Am I asleep? Love works no ill. It seeks no harm, no damage to a neighbor. It, in fact, seeks to avoid the same. Love is the fulfilling of the law. So fulfill the law of Christ. Bear burdens, loving one another. Is it high time to awake and to love one another and to love our neighbor? Verse 11 is the, is the crux of the, of the call to wake up. And he says, And that knowing the time, time here in the first part of the, of the verse is the, is, it, is the times, like the times in which we live, knowing the opportunity we have today, knowing what our calling is, knowing what's at stake, we know the time that now it is high time. The word time here is different. It means the hour. This is now the moment. Right now is the moment to awake because of the times in which we live. This is high time. This is the hour and the moment to awake out of sleep. This is a calling for every one of us. This is a calling for revival. This is a calling for an awakening. I must wake up. 
For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The time is advancing. Just think it was almost 2,000 years ago they were writing this. The day is at hand. The kingdom is at hand. The day is approaching. So much more as you see the day approaching. They were thinking this way. The early church thought this way that Jesus was coming soon. The day is at hand. It's close. Sometimes I think that in our day and age, we're a little more like the scoffers we read about in, in, in 2 Peter. Where's the promise of his coming? Today is just like yesterday. Yesterday was just like the day before. Surely tomorrow will be like today was. Our salvation is near today. This is what must motivate us. Salvation. This is why we must be about our Father's business. This is why I must wake up and be about what God is calling me to be about. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. The night is past. The sun is rising. It's the dawn. The day is approaching. Do we feel that urgency? This is urgent. It's expressing an urgent message. Fascinating, a couple other of uh, Paul's letters say almost the exact same things about, about waking up, about not sleeping. And, and many of the elements he's talking about here in, in light of this are, are, uh, are also discussed. First Thessalonians 5. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. They knew perfectly well the times in which they lived then. And so Paul didn't need to go on and on about what, what, what's going on in those days and what the times are like. And he said, but you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. So we have the urgency. The day is approaching. Our salvation is nearer than when we believe. The day is approaching. And in the sense of time, the day will come suddenly. It will be a surprise. And it will be unexpected. For me? Will it be a surprise for me? We know it will be a surprise for the unbelievers. We know it will be a surprise for the scoffers. But will it be a surprise for me? Will the Lord come when I'm sleeping? He says, he's now giving some, some in, in instructions. And the terminology Paul uses here is very similar terminology that he uses in many of his other letters. He uses the term to, to cast off or put off, like to, like to throw off a garment, and to put on, to clothe ourselves with something. He uses that throughout his, throughout his, uh, his uh, letters. And of course, all of us can, can understand that when a, when a soul comes to Christ, we, we put off the works of the flesh. We mortify the deeds of the flesh. We put off our sinful nature. And we put on Christ. But yet the Apostle Paul continues to repeat this message. To put off, to cast off, and to put on and to clothe ourselves with. To believers. In the, in the, in the, uh, the sense is a present continuing command. He's saying, keep putting off and keep putting on. And we can understand that. Can, I, can we not, my brother and sister? 
when we read the scripture that talks about the sin that does so easily beset us, it so easily comes on us, we must continue to cast off, to put off, to continue to crucify the flesh with its affections and lusts, to continue to mortify the deeds of the flesh and its works. And we must continue to put on Christ and his character and the bowels of mercies and and all the other things that are commanded in scripture to put on. So he commands here, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. He's also introducing this idea of darkness and light. And he does almost in every other place in, in, in scripture where the apostle Paul writes about not sleeping and about waking up. Same passage in 1 Thessalonians 5. He says, after he says, uh, you know yourselves perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a, as a thief in the night. And he says, but ye, brethren, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. The children of God are not to be in darkness, are not to be surprised, caught off guard, that the day of the Lord comes as a thief, like others will. He says, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day, We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch. The term here, watch, means to to, to keep vigil, to stay awake for the purpose of, of, of watching and being on guard. Let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Practice self control, self discipline. This is work and effort. I cannot float through life. I cannot sleep my way through the, through the Christian faith and expect I'm going to be okay at the end. I'm going to struggle. I'm going to, I'm going to toil in sin if I fall asleep and if I, don't, if I don't keep watch. He goes on talking about armor again. We see that also in, in, uh, uh, in, uh, in Romans, where we read in verse 12, put on the armor of light. 1 Thessalonians 5, he goes on to say, they that are asleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunk in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. He, he, we know he writes the same in, in Ephesians. Actually, very similar uh, uh, teachings in Ephesians. He says, he's talking about the, the, uh, the works of the flesh in the first, few, first verses, and he says, Be not ye therefore partakers with them, for ye were sometimes darkness. In the past, my brother and sister, we, were, we walked in darkness. We walked in those deeds. We, we satisfied the, the lust of the flesh. He said, Ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Would we look at some of these examples of these works of darkness? They're, they're horrific. And, and, and we think, you know, let them not, not be once named among those who call themselves by the name of Christ. Let it, let it not be even mentioned. Rioting and drunkenness. Rioting is like carousing and partying. Chambering, sexual immorality, wantonness, lust, and, and, and filth of the flesh, strife and envying. God forbid that any of those 
works of darkness should be named in association with the followers of Jesus Christ. But am I asleep? But am I asleep? Do I allow myself to enjoy as entertainment those same sins? You know, entertainment is something that gives us enjoyment or pleasure or, or in some way captures uh, our, our interest. My brother and sister and friend, if I'm for entertainment watching and enjoying these same sins that must be cast off, do I not see that I'm grieving the Spirit? That is sin to be repented of. That is sleeping. That is not casting off and continuing to cast off the works of darkness. It's not fleeing evil and temptation. It's putting myself in harm's way. God forbid that it would lead to, to, to the commission of those things. But it's not less. Jesus said, whoso looks after a woman to lust after her has committed adultery in his heart. Is that serious for us? My brother and sister, is that serious for us? Am I asleep? That is to be repented of. That is to be cast off. And instead I must put on Christ. It's fascinating that he, he, uh, he Apostle Paul talks so much about armor. You know, we know the familiar passage in Ephesians, Ephesians 6 so we, so we can withstand the wiles of the devil, his craftiness. Remember in, in, in uh, the first chapters of Genesis, it says the serpent was more subtle. He was more crafty and shifty than any beast uh, uh, of the field. That's the deceiver. That's the accuser. That's the father of lies. That's who he is. He's crafty and subtle. And he has shady tactics to numb our senses, to, to lull me to sleep to put me down for a little nap spiritually. And to, so to avoid that, we're to put on spiritual armor so I, can, so I can resist his fiery darts. He's shooting fiery arrows at you. He's shooting fiery arrows to damage and destroy us. That's his purpose. That's his tactic. That's what he's about. Subtly, craftily, shiftily trying to destroy us. Not all at once. Little by little by little. Just a little nap. Close your eyes just a little bit. Sleep just for a moment. You can wake up a couple hours later. That's how he works. He wants to destroy you. Destroy you. Instead, we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to clothe ourselves with Christ. I didn't read in, in, in Ephesians 5, he goes on to, to, uh, quoting Isaiah, wherefore he saith, awake thou that sleepest, rise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that ye walk circumspectly. Walk carefully, cautiously, looking around. Wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time. Redeeming the time. Am I asleep when it comes to how I spend my time? 
Maybe you've found some opportunity in these last couple years to have some more spare time. What did you do with it? What did I do with it? Did I put on Christ? Did I put on the zeal of the early church to spread the gospel in these desperate times because I know the times? Because it was high time to awake? Or did I just find some idle way to spend my time? Did I look out for me in some way? Make sure I was comfortable? Make sure I had what I needed? Did I feed myself with that which was numbing my senses? Harming my ability to discern. Putting myself in the harm's way of the works of darkness. When I put on the Lord Jesus Christ, I take on his character. I be like Christ. I remember someone describing what, what it was like when the rabbi would seek out, a, seek out a, a, a new pupil. Just as Jesus did and came to the fisherman, he said, follow me. When that rabbi came and called you to follow him, it wasn't like, you know, come to my class, it's an hour and a half and you'll go home. They left their life, they left everything to go live with Christ, to go live with the rabbi, to see what he did, how he reacted in certain situations. He, he taught them every moment of the day. This is what Christ wants to do with us. This is the discipleship Christ is looking for from me. That I learn of him, that I follow him, that I obey him, that I seek to be like him. That means looking in his word, seeing what he does, what he did, what he's calling me to do. We can't find that in the world. The mindset and the worldview of this, of this world, what the world is teaching us and how it's teaching us to think and to respond and to react is against Christ. It's the world, not Christ. And yes, we're in the world. Jesus prayed not that, not that we should be taken out, but that we should be kept from evil. He wants us to be about the business of bringing souls to him. He wants us to have that zeal, the martyr spirit, that I would give my life to serve him. Not the risk of physical death could stop me from fulfilling the calling that he's given me. Am I asleep? Make not provision for the flesh. Give no space. Give no room. In no way enable the flesh. But we're to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It is high time to awake. It is high time to awake. I believe, as I said, that this week will be a week of revival. I believe that for me. I believe that for all of us. I believe that for the unconverted. I believe that God is in the business of reviving. I believe that God's Holy Spirit is the agent of revival. I believe that revival, when we, when we repent, when we submit ourselves and we get back to the basics when we look at what Jesus called us to do and we obey and we do that, that revival can be beyond our imagination. One of the brothers in our, our class today mentioned the, the vision that the Lord showed Ezekiel. When he took him to this valley, 
of, of dead bodies. Not even bodies. The scripture says it was just bones. There was zero flesh left. I mean, these were so dead. There was no flesh left, just bones. And, and he came to look, he said, behold, they were very dry. I mean, the bones were all but crumbled into powder. Dead, dead. The Lord asked him, can these bones live? It's not a human with human thinking that would think those dead, dry bones could live. But he said, thou knowest. And we know the rest of the story. Sinews and flesh and, 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 and every other form of tissue came and there was a living, thriving army. And my brother and sister, that is the kind of revival God is expecting of us. And he is able and he is willing. And I know that we are willing because we're here. May God grant us that kind of revival. It is high time to awake out of sleep. Amen.